All right, everybody, welcome to the Leadership Mastermind Podcast. I am your host, Mitch Peak, and this is my co-host, Laura Brandeo. How are you doing, Laura? I am wonderful, Mitch. So excited for today's episode. We have the one and only Bill Hart. He is an executive coach, speaker, and author of White Collar Warrior, and the host of All In with Coach Bill Hart. Bill believes that every day is a gift, and we shouldn't squander the life that we have been given. Before becoming a coach, Bill was a mortgage and real estate in within the industry for 25 years. Bill, we are thrilled to have you with us today. Thanks a lot, Laura. Mitch, great to be here. Yes, we're, we're happy to have you. And uh, we'll, we'll start things off with the big question. So tell us, what are your three key pillars to leadership? Hmm. Having not given that thought, give me just a quick second to react to you there. So my three key pillars of leadership would be um, relationship, uh, transparency, and accountability. Hmm. Okay. So let me take relationship and ask you a little bit about that, okay? So listen, if you've been in the industry a long time, you spent a lot of time within this and I'm in the same boat, I think we all agree that relationship probably is one of your most valuable and most important pieces of having a successful, rewarding and fulfilling career. So tell the audience, how do you build strong relationships and not so much even just initially how do you maintain them over time yeah you know laura i think it's uh if if we look outside of business and we look at our personal lives i don't think it's all that different i think we make it different and it it probably shouldn't be here's my experience and it's less about how i do it and more about the the easier way for me to respond to this is what i observe in the clients that i coach i coach a lot of executives and a lot of leaders right now and i just see a parallel between leaders who have relationships with the people that work with them they know particularly now coming through covid coming through this past year it's like you got to know like how are your kids? How, are, how have you guys been doing under lockdown? How are you coming out of this thing right now at the time that we're recording this? How's your health? How's your optimism? How do you feel about masks and vaccinations? And I just think if, if we don't have that kind of core relationship with people, it's difficult to hold people to tasks and projects and standards. Um, without first connecting with people. So that's why I listed that as number one. And I think the way that you do that is by asking questions. I, uh, I met a guy last week that, that I was probably in his 70s and everybody knew him with this company and they, to a person, they all said, oh my goodness, when you sit down with him, the very first thing that he does is he asks you questions about you. And everybody loves him. So in, in the same breath, they're saying, he asks questions about me and I love him. I don't know you guys, I see a parallel there. Right, that makes perfect sense. And maybe 10, 20 years ago, business and personal life were uh, completely different boxes. You bet, you know, much and, more so. And, yeah, nowadays it's, uh, it's a lot more important to understand a person in order to understand you know, 
their feelings and and how you you know especially as a coach how you can help mold them into becoming better at what they do so you know how how do you recommend people build those relationships with you know their clients uh you know whether they be a real estate agent or a loan officer yeah you bet so I, I love, uh, I, I don't know where it originated. It, it, it had to have been way back. I, this was probably Earl Nightingale or somewhere back in that, in that era. But Larry Kendall, uh, if you guys know Larry Kendall with, uh, I think it's called the Group uh, Real Estate Company in Fort Collins, Colorado, wrote a book called Ninja Selling, one of my all-time favorite real estate books ever. It bumped out in my mind. Uh, Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Agent, which was my number one real estate book for years. And it's just, it's number two now, but I love what he talks about in Ninja Selling. And what he talks about in there is this old concept you guys have probably both heard, but people need to be reminded of it. And it's FORD. And F-O-R-D stands for Family, Occupation, Recreation, and Dreams. And, you know, it's not, it's not such a rigid formula that you have to say, so, Mitch, Tell me about your family. Where are your people from? Then I'm going to ask you about how you got into the business. And then I want to know what you do for fun. And then I want to know about your dreams. Like it's not that formulaic. It could take multiple meetings. You could do it completely out of order. But what I know for sure, you guys, having done this for 20 years as, a, as an executive coach, we figured out the other day, 18 and a half, I'm exaggerating, 18 and a half years, 17,000 hours in the coach's chair. What I know for sure is if I ask those questions of somebody and I do find out about their family and I find out about how they got into the business and I find out what they do when they're not working and then I find out most importantly about their dreams. Like where is this thing taking you? What do you see in the distance? What's the next big trip you've got planned with you and your family? What's a charity that you're connected with? If I know those things, I'm gonna create relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's so important. And, you know, I'm going back to the gentleman that you mentioned that asked the questions, mm -hmm. right? I mean, how many times, you know, think of how that makes someone feel when you're asking about them. Totally. And you're just on the receiving end, right, where you're opening yourself to listen and absorb and be able to create that relationship. And as you mentioned Ford, right, as mm -hmm. you mentioned that, all I kept thinking was those are all things that are tied to peak moments, right? So one of them of how did you get into the business? Well, of course, we all remember, right, what, what that felt like. And it's ingrained in our brain permanently, mm -hmm. right? And then, of course, our families. Those are more peak moments, right? That's, that. that's in our heart. That's tied to that, right? And then mm -hmm. when you get to those dreams, well, of course, then it's that vision, right, of where are we For going? Sure. And all of those, I mean, that is, that's monumental, that really can change an entire foundation of a relationship. So now let's tie into transparency. All right. You bet. So <laughs> take us through why transparency is important. And, you know, it sounds so simple, right? And that almost that and authenticity, right, seems mm. to be something we hear about a lot. You bet. Dive yeah, and authenticity might have been a better word, but it, but I'm going to stick with transparency. And what I, here's what I mean by that. And and again, this is all just for me. This is amplified through a year, year and a half of COVID. And what I know is having having worked for a leader who represented this, Daniel Harkavy at Building Champions, 
and having just just talked to us as a team about hey guys like this is where we are you know as an example at building champions a large percentage of our revenue came from public events mm. public events went away we pivoted we re-engineered we created online webinars we priced those accordingly and you know what we came out on the other side of it a better company as a result but we had to have a transparent dialogue and conversation about that at the time the vast majority of my clients are in the mortgage business and th there there was a time where there were tough conversations that needed to be had even though we know we were in a low interest rate environment it was absolutely crazy it wasn't it wasn't this crazy market it was the 2020 crazy market right of just dramatic refis and but yeah what i found with leaders that were most um connected with their teams is they were having transparent dialogue they were having transparent conversation great example of this a couple of years ago as you guys probably both remember the casey crawford video at Move, movement mortgage where he's in the corporate office and there's people on staircases and they're all around and they had to lay off i don't know a couple of hundred people and he was like dude this is not okay we don't we we hate this these are people that we love but as in the mortgage industry, this is what we do, right? We, we ramp up when activity is stimulated. We slow down when things happen, and we want to prevent that. And that was a great transparent moment of a, of a leader in the mortgage industry in particular, just speaking truth. Because what we know is there's, there's been enough examples. We've all worked for companies where at some point there's just this veneer in front of the leader and and you're you're not seeing what that person really feels and what they think you know there, there's a great master class with bob Iger, the former president and ceo of disney where he talks about this and he just talks about being transparent and and speaking truth to his direct reports so yeah man i think i think sometimes we got to just pull off that mask and just talk to people just connect with people so that's yeah, what you, i mean by transparency you bring up a good point i remember that you know with casey it seems like that image uh, I've seen a, a few times, you know, where he's not he's not hiding behind his role as the leader and having other people do, <laughs> you know, what would be easy totally. for him to have do. Um, you know, he comes out and whether it's good news, bad news, he's the one that brings it to everybody in the forefront says, totally. hey, this is what's happening. This is what we got to do to pivot. This is the changes we're going to make. But you know, speaking about, you know, good leadership and, and being open, I think definitely Casey is a, is a picture of that because it's a great example. He, he is a great example of exactly what you should be as a leader That's right. is not passing the buck to the people downhill <laughs> because exactly. it, it does no good for you to tell your people to go tell the bad news because people are going to not respect or like your leaders below you anymore and that's totally. not going to be good for morale or you know for the company if people are struggling with following them those leaders you know two months down the road for sure so let's talk about accountability let's let's dive into that so everybody wants a coach because the of accountability right i mean um a lot of things that people say as a coach or a lot of things that people tell you to do as a coach is probably we already know a lot of that <laughs> but it's sure. a matter of fact of uh, you know we can't hold ourselves accountable to do it it's it's like getting a gym membership but you never use it so yeah. you know how do you hold people accountable how do you suggest leaders hold people accountable yeah so two two great questions and they're different answers the i mean the way that i do it is is what we've 
um, integrated into our coaching at Building Champions over 20, nearly 25 years. And that is that we ask the client, like, how do you want to be held accountable? Not everybody's the same, right? We communicate different. There's, there's a reason for five love languages. Like, we're different. Everybody's different. I was just reading an article about the, the Ritz-Carlton and how amazing they are at building a consistent delivery culture. If you've ever stayed at the Ritz, you know you know what that's like. And it's it's the same again and again and again. And, and they, they do that because they're so consistent. And so, but, but sorry, the observation I was going to make about the Ritz is they, they said, but we do our training. They do 250 hours a year of training. Think about that with their employees. 250 hours a year is a lot. This is not continuing ed. This is like... We want you on what they call the gold standard, right? That's what they call it at the Ritz. But they said some of it is online, some of it is live, and I forget what the third option was. But the point is, their their observation was people learn differently. So if we know that we learn differently, we communicate differently, we hear differently, we assimilate differently, then what we've learned is with accountability, everybody has a type, sort of a different view of that. And so we just ask up front, like, do you, so if I was coaching you, Mitch, I would just say, so on a scale of zero to 10, zero is like, oh, yeah, I remember that thing we talked about. Like, how'd that go? And, you know, a 10 is a freaking sledgehammer. You know, like I I mean, here's the here's the best example. Daniel Harkavy, the founder of Building Champions, I remember him telling me this years ago when I started. He said, you're going to have a moment and you'll know as a coach, you've got to use your own discernment, but you'll know as a coach when that client shows up and they didn't do that thing that they said they were going to do and they don't really have a good excuse. In that moment, you have my permission to say, okay, well, here's the thing. We've still got, you've got 25 minutes right now because I'm going to hang up on you and I want you to go do that thing. Goodbye. That's really painful as a coach to somebody who's paying you a thousand bucks an hour for coaching. But the message is very clear. It's like, dude, you said you were going to do it. You didn't do it. You've got the time right now. I'm out. Go do that thing. Right. And sometimes that's what people need. And sometimes that would drive somebody insane and they just go, they would end up in a corner crying, you know, like a, like a huffled mass. So you got to just kind of know who you're dealing with is my experience on the leadership side. I will say this. I coaching is one thing, right? Coaching. If, if somebody is paying me to be held accountable, that's different than a leader holding a teammate accountable. And so I feel like there's this, there's this balance between kind of tell and sell you know, I'm, I'm telling you what I expect of you, but I'm also selling you on the importance of it. Like this team is counting on you. This is imperative that you have that done. So how can I help you win? What's getting in your way? Gallup did a recent study on um, what they called employee engagement. This is pre-COVID. And, and that's one of the things that they pointed out is that when you have disengaged team members, it's most often because they're not clear about what's expected of them and nobody's holding them accountable or equipping them to do the thing that is most important. So what happens is people just get busy reacting to the flying squirrels that show up during the course of the day and they feel like at the end of the day, well, I've been busy, but if I wasn't getting the key performance indicators, those things done that move the needle, am I really doing my job? And I feel, I feel like that's where leaders are most effective with teammates. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, yeah it does. And it's interesting. You know, I, I interviewed a gentleman about culture 
one time and he spoke a lot about the relationships between team members mm. and he spoke a lot about the importance of bonding the teams together because as humans when you care about another person you don't want to let them down so right sure. so going back to that accountability right and that's part of your leadership too because you're setting up this culture and you're making sure that everyone is intertwined so right. that's one piece of it which i love because you're so right like that's listen we're in the mortgage industry those flying squirrels are happening all day long right totally, we know right. that totally. things are popping up and and it's difficult right but when you know that what you're doing is going to affect the person you care about and we all we all care about our families and our clients sure. meaning the families we're helping For you know sure. so all of that but at the end of the day when you know that bob is relying on you and you care about bob you're going to make sure now the second thing that that's interesting and you mentioned about this understanding how you intertwine into what you're doing mm. um i'm very i love okrs i don't know if you study the okr theory but the uh -huh. okr is objectives and key results it's mm -hmm. how google and intel was built Mm -hmm. And what that is, is actually taking every single KPI that you're looking for and breaking it down by role. And right. that way, each individual from the person that opens the door to the person that's washing the floor to the person yep. that's answering the phone, yep. they have five things that they know they absolutely have to crush because those five things intertwine to the rest of the overall totally. KPIs. Yeah, it's so good. You know, there's a book, I don't know, it's probably 25 years old now, but it, I'll never forget it was written by Jan Carlson, who at the time was the chairman of the Scandinavian Airlines, and it was okay. called Moments of Truth. Um, Moments of Truth. And he talked about what you just mentioned, that, you know, if you think about it with an airline, right, there was a moment of truth used to be when you would check your bags at the curb. Few and fewer people do that because they got stuff on wheels and it's easy to just roll it through, right? But the, but the bell cap, like that was yep. the first or wherever that person was out in front. Then it was the ticket counter. Then it was the gate agent. They weren't even talking about security, you know, <laughs> The, the, yeah, the, the, the security world at that point. Pre-9-11. Pre it was 25 <laughs> years ago. It was a long time ago. But, you know, and then the flight attendant, right? And so yeah. that was their point. Like, we can have the best engineered aircraft. We can right. have the best pilots. We can have the best catering. But if the key moments of truth, as they called them out, weren't integrated, to your point, into everybody else's, then the customer is going to have a bad experience, and that's what they're going to report, and that's what they're going to remember, and that's what they're going to share with their friends. So, yeah, holding people accountable, I think, to those things that, to your point, you make a great point there, Laura, about, you know, if I care about that, if I care about that teammate, then I care about how that impacts them. And, yeah. you know, another fantastic book. I feel like I could... We're going to get to your book in a moment. Well, good. Go ahead. <laughs> I happen to have one of those. But, but this is a fantastic book on this topic, and it's called The Boys in the Boat. I don't know if even, okay. either of you ever no. read it, but it's a wonderful book. It's probably eight years old at this point, but it was about the state of Washington war, um, uh, rowing team in the late 30s, early 40s, who goes on to compete in the just forming state of, of Nazi Germany. Oh, wow. And they won. Like, they won the gold. And this is a ragtag group of, 
you know, uh, loggers' sons and and truck drivers' sons, and you know, they they had to compete against the Ivy League schools in the U.S. first and win that position to go and beat the Nazis who all had their blonde crew cuts (laughs) and their white sweaters and they were all perfect, right? With their swastikas and everything. But in that they talk about there, there is a common theme in terms of teamwork and it was, will it make the boat go faster? And so their point was, as you think about the yeoman, right? With the, the, the megaphone where they'd stroke, stroke, so it, in the way that they approached that, did it make the boat go faster? The way that the oar hit the water with all of these guys in sync, would it make the boat go faster? If they put a heavier person in the bow versus at the back, would it make the boat go faster? And so it's one of the things that we've looked at as a company for the longest time at Building Champions. So we're constantly asking ourselves, will it make the boat go faster? And I, I just think there's a purity to that question that as you think about yeah. teamwork, to your point, Laura, it's like, are we all rowing in the same direction, using our talents as well as we can, being held accountable to the key performance indicators that will make a difference? It's a great book on that topic. If you're a leader and you have some hunger for additional stories and examples of how to best connect with your team, that's a great read. That is that is awesome. And and it's interesting you said about are we rowing in the same direction? OKRs. That's one of the things. Are nice. we rowing in the same so well, nice. I'll, I'll give one back to you of looking up the OKRs. <laughs> All right. I've already made a note. Absolutely. Right, awesome. I you know you're going to get into it. Come All right. It. So, Bill, tell us about your book. That's a perfect. Yeah. Obviously, you're an avid reader. Obviously, that's important to you. I'm I'm mm-hmm. one of those two. I think I downloaded three this morning because nice. I'm like, ooh. So I nice. I love reading books. So please tell us about yours. Sure. You bet. So so white collar warrior. Uh, lessons for sales professionals from America's military elite came from my my patriotism, my love for our country. I, while I never served our country in uniform, I'm part of the 99% that never did. I've always been an extreme patriot. Um, I had I had relatives on both sides, my mom and dad's side that both fought in the American Revolution, and so it just goes deep in my blood, right? And so I've always been a uh aficionado particularly of the best of the best and that is our special operations and so i had this idea this crazy idea that a publisher finally picked up on which was like man i think there's lessons there if i if i were interviewing navy seals and army rangers and a top gun instructor all of which i did i believe that there are lessons there on things like discipline and leadership and fear and mission planning and failure and motivation and and so that's that's where the book came from that was the whole idea behind this and it's uh i think it's a great book for salespeople, but it's also a great book for leaders because that's a lot of my messaging in there is you know there's just when lives are on the line leadership matters more than any quarterly driven bottom line You've got lives on the line. If you've ever listened to Jocko's podcast and you yeah. hear him talking about some of those stories in Ramadi, you know, the, the classic one is his blue on blue story where he talks about blue on blue is where we're, it's a friendly fire incident. And he's got guys that are firing on a building and they think that they're taking out insurgents and they get a call from some of their fellow Navy SEALs and it turns out those are Navy SEALs in an overwatch position and they're getting shot at by their own guys. So when it comes down to review that whole thing, was Jocko there? No. Did he tell them to fire in that building? No. 
But ultimately, did he own it? Hence the name of his book, Extreme Ownership. He did. And when he talked to the Admiral, when that was under, they call it an after action review in the military, um, he said, you know what, it's on me. I, I've got to handle that so that something like that doesn't happen in the future. So the, the point is, in a, in a book like this where I've interviewed so many of these guys at the leading edge of the spear, those lessons, those are hard-learned lessons. Right. And, and I'll, I'll uh, you know, say the same thing. I'm a, a major patriot, uh, you know, and I've got, you know, uh, you know uncles and brothers and, and grandfathers that have all served and, you know, I haven't served myself, but I, you know, I love those guys for, for what they've done. And like you said, it's life lessons are, are her, you know, that you learn in business or in life are, are tough. But when you're talking about over, you know, overseas, you're, you're at war, those lessons, it's important to understand those people's opinions on what's going on because they, they've learned it the hardest way possible. Totally, man. Like you said, when there's life's on the line, like my grandfather was a paratrooper and you know when they went into battle they actually landed in the trees and in one of his guys landed in a church steeple and <laughs> it, he got stuck there and oh he my had, goodness he had to play dead like he was wow. you know he wow. was he, had, well, he, he was, was a target middle. up there sure. yeah, so he's, wow. a, he's a target he just they had to play dead and you know and they actually i can't remember the name of the movie but there is actually a movie based on on that uh that, wow. part of the that might have been band of brothers yeah. So he, yeah. you know, he was involved in that, you know, paratrooping, you know, I'd just love to sit down and listen to him talk and, and tell stories because, you know, back then when they landed, you know, he had horrible knees and horrible back because it wasn't of like, the, it's not like paratroopers landed softly <laughs> or exactly. where they wanted to, you know, back then. So For sure. to sit down and listen to people like that, they have stories to tell about, like you said, life lessons about leadership about owning so know, many decisions that are that are made that's right and, you know be able to be your best under pressure you know who else can tell you better about being your best under pressure than someone who's you know literally had to fight for their lives and absolutely and their lives so absolutely that, that's uh, so that's where the book came from yeah is, is knowing those stories and and being able to share and and uh their their lessons that's that's awesome i'm definitely gonna have to uh definitely gonna have to get that and read it well if you're like most people and you have a stack of books that you don't have time to read there's an audio version as well and i <laughs> read it, so uh feel free to do that it's a little cheaper and you might be able to get it uh, a little faster yeah yeah i, I did that with steve sims and uh, his book <laughs> nice Great it's nice book. to be able Not to listen and, you know and put it through that way for sure Awesome. So overcoming fear, you know, we're mm. speaking about some of this with warriors and life and death and everything. Now let's yep. go into the business side of things, right? Sure. So what are some ways that you help people? And I love that building champions, just the name building champions just makes me kind of feel good, right? Of, of you know, the, the thought of that. And that's sure. what everyone is looking to do, right? To become a champion, whatever they're doing in their role. Sure. So we know people are kind of, you know, they hold themselves back sometimes because of the unknown and the fear and different reasons. So what are some ways that people can kind of break through that? Mm. 
Yeah, so I actually do think there's a bridge between the, the some of the lessons that I learned in the military and and what we can do from interviewing those in the military and what we can do in business. So the obvious play there is, you know, fear in the military is at some point I'm going to be in harm's way. How am I going to react in that situation? And I don't know that any of us really know, you know, what that might look like and you know, for me, the most extreme example, if you happen to either of you or anyone watching or listening right now, um, saw my post over Memorial Day, I talk about Mikey Mansoor, and it was uh, September 29th, 2006 in Ramadi, and Mikey was a 25-year-old Navy SEAL with a very large machine gun, and he was in an overwatch position with two of his fellow SEALs and a couple of Iraqi soldiers that were fighting against the insurgency. And a grenade is tossed up onto this rooftop and it bounces oh. off his chest pack and it lands on the ground in front of him. And in a split second, he makes the decision to dive on the grenade to save his buddies. Oh. And he did. And he gave his life in that moment. And he never got married, never walked down the aisle, never had any kids because in that moment, he, he experienced no fear. He experienced the the instantaneous decision to save his brothers. It is inconceivable to me. It is inconceivable to me. The Bible tells us that greater love hath no man than he who would lay his life down for another. And I know that in my head, but I think about in that moment, is it, it's inconceivable to me, that kind of bravery and sacrifice and valor. And so that's a, that's a very extreme example, right? A less example, uh, a less um, brutal example, but still deadly is, is, you know, military where you're getting shot at, right? Like, you know, we watch SEAL team on TV, right? And we just see these guys firing and hiding behind rocks and doing what they do. But, you know, what would that really be like if you were really getting shot at? I, I don't know how I would respond to that. But in our world, what we do know is the most common example is call reluctance, right? If I'm in sales, call reluctance is the thing that most people are fearful of. And so, what we tend to do, and I talk about it in the book, I call it a busy kit, is we tend to just get busy doing stuff that helps us avoid any kind of confrontation where we might be told no. And so my experience as a coach is that it's the same thing in the military. The way that people get past that fear is they train. And in the military, it's shoot, move, and communicate. That's kind of it. It's like they're Lego pieces, right? Well, in, in a sales environment, whether you're in the mortgage business or the real estate business or you sell BMWs or Jeeps, um, you're going to have to engage in conversation and you're going to have to ask questions. And my experience is the more that you are prepared with those questions and you know how a scenario might go and you're prepared for objections, I'm not saying memorize scripts. Like I am not a fan of memorizing scripts because I think you sound scripted, right? You know, years ago when we used before call waiting or, or caller ID and we could, you know, I don't know about you guys, but on my phone now, it's like, it'll say junk call. It's like, yep. I don't think I'm going to answer that one. I got to be honest with you, you know, or, or telemarketer. Let me think. Am I going to answer a call from a telemarketer? Spam. I don't think so. Right? How about spam? Do you want that one? Spam is great. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'm picking that call up. But, you know, if we prepare for it and we know, so for example, let's just speak to the mortgage industry. Is that, is that your primary audience yes. at this point? Yes. So if I'm in the mortgage industry and it's June 2021 as we're having this conversation, here's what we know. We know that 
rates are, I'll just say, creeping up, right? Like they crept up, dropped back down. We, I think anybody who's paying any attention sees that over time, we know interest rates are going to have to go higher over time, no doubt. So we got that going on. There's fewer refis than there were. I think nationally right now, I think most, both, most companies' pipelines are down about 20%. Not all. Some are up. Most are down a little bit. Things are slowing down a little bit. But the big thing is purchase, right? We know that on the purchase side, there's no inventory. It's a major issue. We got 35 offers on a you know property. It's just, it's out of control with everything being waived, right? I'll wave it, I'll wave it, I'll wave it, I'll wave it. I know it'll take eight years yeah. for the price that I pay for the, for the property to catch up with it. Like that's where people are. So what are we doing in the mortgage industry? Well, I think there is still some low hanging fruit for refis, which means there are people that we need to be calling. I know that what we used to do years ago in the form of an annual mortgage review, checking in with borrowers on their anniversary, that's a conversation that pays off. I know that there are conversations that we can be having with our database, asking them about go through the Ford thing. Like, how are you guys doing? Man, everybody's coming out, blinking their eyes, coming out of COVID. How are you guys? How did you navigate that? Hey, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, you know, honest with you if in, if in my business, I didn't say, so I'll just stay and role play with you, Laura. Yeah. So Laura, you know, as, as I just listened to you guys talking about what's going on with your family and so on and so forth, if you ask me, what are most of the conversations I'm having? It's always about real estate right now, right? So it's either yeah. like, should I refinance? Is it time to buy? Is it time to sell? If I sell, how would I buy? Is it time to invest in real estate? Like those are the conversations I'm having most often. So Laura, let me ask you, and I'm not really looking for an answer, yeah. but you know, let me ask you, like, how does that whole scenario, kind of real estate scenario fall down over you? And yeah. then shut and up. I'll, and I'll role play back with you. And I'll say, Bill, you know, I have to tell you, I'm seeing it all over the news. I'm seeing it all over online. I honestly don't know what to believe. All yeah. I see is one day the rates hit a low. The next day it says the interest rates are going up. The next minute they're speaking about the values going through the roof. But right. then they're saying, well, everyone's leaving California. Should mm. I stay in California or should right. I leave California? I honestly have to tell you, Bill, I'm confused and I'm not yeah. sure even. Yeah. Good for you, Laura. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think you just expressed how a lot of people feel. Here's my experience in the business. Um, what I know is facts and information are helpful. And with your permission, what I'd like to do is I've actually got a great article I'd like to send to you. Uh, the best email I have for you is Laura at blah, 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 blah. Is that accurate? Or is that there a better, is. better email address for you? Great, great. I'm going to send you this article. I would love to get your reaction to it once you read it, because it talks a little bit about the exodus from California. And look, there's a reason for it. The reason we live in California, let's be honest, we're addicted to the weather. We yep. love the weather. We love the ability to be able to move around and go from the ocean to the mountains and all the great stuff that we have here. But Look, taxation's an issue right now, and it's not getting any better, right? There's no doubt. And there's a lot of people that disagree with a lot of policies right now that are going on in the state. So I think what we've got to do is make intelligent decisions. I'll just give you one quick anecdotal example. So I have a friend that was looking at Boise, Idaho, and Boise yep. is phenomenal, oh, right? Yes. Boise and Austin, probably the two magnets around the country right now. And, probably and, Phoenix. and Arizona. I was, Arizona, yes, Arizona, for Arizona sure, right? So here's the problem though, right? You start looking up there and you realize that, wow, that $600,000 house a year ago is now worth 750 and there's 43 offers on it. Yeah. 
And you know what? When you move into town, you better remove your California license plates because everybody hates you. So I look, it could be the best move in the world for you, but I think the, the, the thing that I want to do is provide to you resources, and I've got some information. And I just suggest let's just keep a dialogue open. Let's just keep a dialogue open, and let's let's get clear on what's happening out there, what you want to do, Laura, you and your family, and then whatever I can do to come alongside you to bring wisdom, advice, and wise counsel, that's what I'd like to do. Love it. Right? I mean, that's the that's the kind of preparation I think we have to, if we're going to think about training, if we're going to think about dealing with fear, those are the kind of conversations that are tough conversations that we need to be having with people every day. And that's where leads are generated. Yeah. Right? You can buy leads online and those are fine, but at some point you still have to create the relationship. So that conversation Laura and I just had, that's a real conversation it that is. we need to be having three to five times a day, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I agree. And yeah. it wasn't a sales conversation. It was no. a right? relationship conversation. Totally. Uh, you're, you're being her friend, her confidant. Guiding. You know, pro guiding. professional advisor. Absolutely. Right? Hey, I spend time in this. Laurie, you're a teacher. Like, you don't spend time doing this. I'm a, or whatever, you know, you're a nurse, yeah. whatever. But right. this is what I do every day. Like, let yeah. me let me keep you advised of what I'm learning and bring you and value. That and that is what we all should be doing in the totally. mortgage industry. We, listen, I always say it's the same as when you go to the hospital and, and your child is ill. You're looking for the expert to That's take exactly care of right. your child. The same thing in our industry. These for families... Sure need us to be that expert and it's not just the rate it's not just oh you know how much cash out can i get in equity or it's not that it's those conversations and the way that you set that up bill of obviously listening right listening to what my concerns were exactly. then providing an answer back of you know let me provide this to you and a reason to circle back and exactly. be able to have another conversation with this we're building person. a relationship that's mm -hmm. exactly right advise not sell that's the key totally man in any any market and in, in any industry you have people want to be advised not not sold for sure man Look at that. We did like on the <laughs> live role playing. That was fun. <laughs> nice. Nice. Stranger things have happened, but that was good. Way to participate. Thank you for that. Just just so you know, Bill, yeah. that was how I started in the industry. Nice. Was as a cold calling call center rep. I'm now the wow. president of a national mortgage company. Wow. Well, hello. That's uh that's as as good it gets in terms of training, right? Well done. Absolutely. All right, Bill. Well, um, Laura, you guys have anything else you want to add? Bill, well, this was great. It was awesome. Yeah, it's, well, it's it great to finally connect with you. My yeah. pleasure. Thank you guys for reaching out. I hope that we brought something that was valuable to your viewers and listeners. And if I can ever be of value to you, it's easy to find me, you guys, on social. Coach Bill Hart. I'm easy to find. I was going to say, how do they find you? So Coach, Coach Bill, Bill Hart. Hart. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate it very much. You bet. Thanks for the opportunity, you guys.